Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Eric Bilstadt, I swear, I do not understand why people would live in California. I, I mean, I just... But between, you know, you've got riots and fires, you've got mudslides, you've got the potential for earthquakes, you've got an incredibly expensive tax structure, you've got huge problems with homelessness. And then did you see this thing over the weekend, the flex alerts? Oh, no. Okay. Well, apparently what they did is because you've got these wildfires, Mm -hmm. you were talking, they're raging out of control. You've also got this this record-setting heat. And they're they're once again in a situation where the power grid is in in jeopardy. So what they did over the weekend is they sent out what they call a flex alert, where they ask for consumers to conserve electricity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is what they ask from three to nine. In the afternoons on Sunday and Monday, they want you to turn your air conditioner up to 78. They want you to turn off unnecessary lights, and they want you to defer using major appliances. So in other words, unplug your refrigerator and don't open the door yes. for like six hours. It, it, it's Okay, who wants to live in a place like that? I mean, seriously, I, I understand you got great weather, but, you know, it, it's... Okay, you, you set the thermostat at 78 degrees. Give me a break. Unplug hear, your refrigerator. Give me a break. I hear Yosemite is nice this time of year. Well, I guess. I, I don't know. My uh, my niece is in senior at San Diego State. Yeah. and I, I was kind of curious when she graduates whether she was going to want to become a Cali girl forever. Mm-hmm. Nah, she's ready to. <laughs> she, she wants no, to go back, back. <laughs> Well, I don't know if she's coming back here, but I think her goal is she'd like to go to law school somewhere in D.C. or something. But I think she's she's had the Southern California experience, and now I think she's ready to experience something good. Uh, who, who's going to unplug their refrigerator? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it's, okay, I'm going to unplug the refrigerator, you know, and keep the door shut for six hours. Mm. I'm sorry. I digress. I'm kind of in a mood today. Maybe it's just the weather. What up? I mean, what happened to summer? My goodness. I mean, a couple days ago, you're talking about 85 degrees and you're talking about humidity and now it's 55 degrees and you look at the rain that's coming down and it looks like kind of a dreary weekend all of a sudden we we went we went from the height of summer to now kind of moving in towards like later fall hopefully things will get better we got a lot of stuff to talk about on today's program we do not go gently into the good week let us get started all right uw madison back in session the results, at least at first, have not been pretty when it comes to COVID-19. The chancellor yesterday canceled all in-person social events, ordered undergraduate students to restrict their movements for the next two weeks. Among the restrictions from now through September 21st, all student gyms and recreational facilities will be closed. Dining halls will offer carry-out only. Visitors will not be allowed in the dorms. All undergraduates are ordered to avoid social gatherings. And all of this is because 
again, college kids are being college kids, and they're going out and they're participating in parties. The chancellor says, okay, too many students have chosen to host or participate in social gatherings that seem to demonstrate a high disregard for the seriousness of the virus um, and risk the entire community. The university reported Monday that 148 UW-Madison students and one employee had tested positive for COVID-19. 37 live in residence halls. 111 live off campus. And that's where, again, the I think you're going to see the largest numbers because college kids think they are invulnerable. College kids are there for the whole social experience, which means we're, we're going to party. And you can limit that a little bit at the dorms. You can limit it a little bit at the dorms, but when it comes to trying to regulate off-campus housing and to say, okay, you're, you're not going to be able to, to have 10 or 20 or 30 people in apartments and stuff, you can try. But, I mean, as a practical matter, good luck with that. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, here here is my question. Given the fact that school's only been in session a little bit, Given the fact that the college students appear to be roundly rejecting the advice given by their elders, starting with the governor to social distance and to wear masks and to not hang out in groups, given the fact that they are ignoring it, is there is there any possibility that you're going to be able to have anything other than online instruction sending all the kids home. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or alternatively, is just is this the reality? It, it's a choice that students are making. It's a bad choice. It's a dumb choice. But it's a decision that young adults are making. Is there any way that we are going to be able to control coronavirus on college campuses, given the fact that you really can't regulate student behavior? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My take on this, look, I, I just think it, it is what it is, and this is sort of the reality. You can ask people to wear masks. You can ask people to social distance. You can say to people it's not a good idea to go to a party with a keg of beer and 30 people crammed together. You can ask all that. But at the end of the day, that that's all you can do. If people are going to make what I think most of us would agree would be bad decisions, they're going to make those bad decisions. Can you regulate the behavior of college kids? And my answer is I don't think so. 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my guess is the numbers aren't going to be materially different in two weeks than they are today. So I guess the question becomes, do we just give up trying? My answer would be no. What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I mean, I'm looking at the notice. Here, here's what the, the chancellor of UW sent out. Effective at 5 p.m. Monday yesterday through 5 p.m. Monday, September 21st, so that's two weeks, I'm calling on all undergraduate students to severely limit in-person interaction and restrict their movement to that which is required for essential activities only. And that includes participating in classes, studying, um, receiving a COVID-19 test or other medical care, or, or, or going to eat. But But... Otherwise, they're saying don't engage in any sort of social behavior. And my point is, 
they're college kids. It's, I mean, I understand why they're asking that, but th- th- it is, it seems to me it is a gesture in, in futility because you've got all these college kids that think that they are invulnerable. So it's fine to ask, but what do we do when two weeks from now that the numbers are no different? And my prediction is they're, they're not going to be any different because the college kids, you know, if, if you're off campus, you know, and, and you want to have a party, do you think you're not going to have a party because Rebecca Blank asks you that? Let's t- start with Sandy in Brookfield. Sandy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Hi, Sandy. Um, I kind of know uh, what's going on right now at the college firsthand. My son is a senior at Whitewater, and last weekend he packed up, you know, even though he was hesitant, he's living in a house off campus with a few other guys, and um, he packed up and went. I knew he was nervous because we spent the whole last few months, you know, social distancing and being safe. And he said, oh, you know, I'm going to go. But he got very uncomfortable. And by Saturday night, he was texting and said he couldn't do it because he was uncomfortable with the social scene going on. And, you know, kids, they don't want to be the one wearing the mask, I guess you could say. And um, it was really difficult for him because he had a lot of good friends in the house. But he came home Sunday morning. And by Tuesday, um, his roommates all felt sick and some Mm -hmm. of the other friends that he had uh you know knew they were all hanging together after he left and they all they've all tested positive sure sure Um, he started wearing a mask around us when he got home just in case because he didn't know you know what was going to happen but they all came down you know 10 or 11 of them that we know for sure okay so let me ask you the tough question as as we look forward so like a, a for most kids in that most people in that age group it, it it's not a life or death thing. You get it. You're sick. You you get better. The question would be: Given that that you have young people that are going to ignore these rules, is it best to just let them get exposed, let them get sick, let them get over it, and then try to get back to normal? Well, you know, in our situation, I, I've heard a lot of them, a lot of people say that, not just young people. Yeah. We should just be exposed and be done with it. Um, but where he's coming from is that he's a, he has parents who are, you know, somewhat vulnerable. Right. And he said, if something happened to you, I wouldn't be able to be around you. I, you know, right. I'm exposing you and exposing other family members right. that could get extremely sick. And that actually all summer and spring was his thought. I'm not going here because right. I don't want to not be able to be around you. So that's the unfortunate part of it. It's like, they're thinking about themselves and not what's going to happen to the people around them that maybe, you know, they're right. exposing to it. They could, could get sick. No, so. no, no. They, I understand. And see, and that's, that's the, see, I, I just, when I, when I talk about this, it's kind of like, okay, what, what is the end game? Cause again, I'm, I'm not criticizing the UW chancellor, but to me, it's sort of like a, a fool's errand to say, okay, all you college kids, we, we, we want you to, you know, not socialize, not do any of the stuff that you've been doing for the last couple of weeks. I, I just, maybe it'll work, but my guess is you're, you're not going to see a sea change of behavior. Here's a text, Jeff. Um, I go to UW Oshkosh. The short answer to your question, no, we cannot regulate college students' movements. When Safer at Home went into effect, students switched from going to bars to hosting house parties on a regular basis. Since the bars have opened, they have had a constant crowd all summer. Now that students are back on campus, they have become crowded, no social distancing, places they were before COVID-19 was even a thing. College College students seem to have a unified agreement that we are invincible. 
and we have not been taking the pandemic as seriously as many. And I think that that's kind of the, the reality that, that's out there. And the frustrating thing is, because I believe that's going to continue to be the case, I guess the question is, do we live with COVID-19 on college campuses, or do we just say we're going to shut down college campuses until I don't know when? Let's talk to Mike. Mike in Franklin, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Mike. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a different position on this, and I respect the other opinions that have been given. I, I happened to actually pick my son up this weekend and, and take him back. Every kid that I saw on Madison's campus yesterday or over the weekend was wearing a mask, and I think that a lot of the kids are taking it very seriously. And, yes, I know about the fraternity reports and right. some other issues. Um, that, so I understand that it is happening with the older kids and in but even then, again, I was there last night from maybe 9 to 10 o'clock, somewhere in there, dropping my son off, or maybe not that long, but a half hour. Uh, and every kid that I saw was wearing a mask walking between the dorms and had one on. I had bike riders go by me in masks right. last night because um, he's on the Lakeshore dorm. So I do think that a lot of the kids are taking it seriously and trying to be good. And the kids that I saw were all wearing masks. So. Um, yeah, and I, I get what you're I, saying. The problem is you and I probably aren't getting invited to the, you know, the 200-person, you know, rager parties off campus and stuff where well, <laughs> where that's not going on, you know. And, and, and it is, and they have an issue with it. And, and you know, the other issue that I think you've got to be careful of, you know, the, you, you ask the question, well, shouldn't we let them all get it and then come through it? Didn't they have a report last week that 30% of the athletes that are testing positive for uh, for COVID have the heart issue going on the might i don't know what the word yeah. is but that well, yeah, so nobody that's knows that's what the long-term effects. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, nobody knows what the long-term effects are. And I, I don't have a good answer. But, I, I mean, I've been I, – I just I, – I'm, I'm looking at this, and I, and I saw – and, again, I'm, I'm not criticizing the, the chancellor for, for asking this and trying to do a campus shutdown. But I am wondering what the plan B is because my, my prediction is that these numbers are going to be no different two weeks from now than they are now because, again – you're, you're talking about college kids who are out and about. Let's talk to Kelly and Slinger. Hi, Kelly. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So I have a I have a son who is a freshman at UWM, and I have a niece who is a freshman at Madison. And we have to remember, these kids have been quarantined and have rarely left the house since March. Right. Now we've got situations, especially with freshmen, where they're on their own for the first time. They're away from home. And I think, and, and I'm not speaking for all students, and, and I don't want to say that my, you know, my family members feel the same way, but a lot of these kids are saying, we know we're going to eventually come home. We're going to have fun while we can. Okay, so you think it? You think that the the students pretty much know that that this experiment in opening campuses isn't going to work, and so it's kind of like, all right, we're just live for today. We'll worry about what happens tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, and, and as irresponsible as that sounds, they're kids. They're eighteen, yeah. nineteen, twenty-year-old kids. And um, my niece even said, if if I have to be quarantined, I don't even want to come home because I'll go live with the quarantine students in that dorm. 
and they hang out, hang out together and have fun. Yeah, so, yeah. it's, it, it's know, funny that it, you mentioned that because I was seeing some report at, at some campus where they were quarantining all the kids that tested positive, and that was apparently like the fun dorm because it was like, okay, we're 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 gonna because a lot of them are asymptomatic or whatever, or we're, we're gonna party at the at the dorm now. Now we've got it. We might as well just have a good time. Exactly, and if, like you said, if they're feeling okay, then then why not? Their food is brought to them. Um, not saying it's a perfect situation for a college student, but it's really it's better than being at home with mom and dad. Will the colleges, in your opinion, be able to stay open? Let let's let's no. look. No, you think it's gonna you think they're it's gonna be shut down? Huh? No, I do, I do. And and my son, who's at UWM, said that they're gonna start testing. Well, I'm actually surprised that they didn't test before the students got there. They're testing now. And my concern is that they're going to increasingly see the numbers go up and that I, I she's supposed to be there for things till Thanksgiving. Right. My guess is that he'll probably be home within three weeks. Yeah, especially at schools like UWM. And I, I understand that there's a there's a population that, that lives on campus and there's a even larger population, I think, that lives you know in the immediate off campus area. But UWM is still a commuter school in many respects as well. You know, lots of kids that go there. So, uh, yeah, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. I, I don't I don't have an, an answer for this. Other than to say that to, to ask, particularly to ask 18 and 19 year olds, as, as Kelly was saying, on their own for the first time to to voluntarily pass on going to the parties and stuff seems to me to be a, a stretch to believe they're not going to do it. So I mean, I think the question for UW and for other schools is. All right, what what are we going to do? Are we going to say, look, this is the nature of the college experience. We're not going to be able to control kids getting sick because we can't control their behavior, or do we just shut it down? And if you shut it down, then the question becomes, how long do we shut it down? Do we shut it down till there's a vaccine? And in that case, do you, I don't know, say vaccines are going to be mandatory for all the college kids? Wish I had an answer, but it's it's a different world out there. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's a good portion of the show today. We're going to take a look at some of the latest examples of the cancel culture and and just political correctness run amok. And I actually foreshadowed some of those. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I actually have links to um, several of the the stories that we're going to be discussing today at, as part of it. Um, again, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Just, just to kind of start this off, this is a story that caught my, my attention over the weekend. And it's one of these where you just you just want to like hold your head and, and hope that it does not explode. So here, here's the story there. And I've got, again, a link to it um, up on my Twitter account at Jeff Wagner 620. There, there's a a professor at the University of of Southern California, and he's teaching that this is not like a first year class to to freshmen. He's teaching a, a graduate school class in in business communication to master's candidates. So th- these are these are people who are trying to get their advanced degrees that they, they want MBAs and the, the class is it's called communication for management. All right. And it's a required class. And and what he's talking about is he's talking about how people use filler words. And he's trying to get people to not do that. Filler words in English, for example, being um or oh or 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 or, or whatever. Just, you know, you, you just. 
put that you know <laughs> would be one of those as well. You know, the, the filler words and phrases. And again, this is in front of master's students. And he's talking about how this is not uncommon as, as you go out and you are dealing in the international business community, because that's what a lot of these people are going to be doing. It's going to be international business. Again, this isn't a freshman survey course. It, it's MBAs. And, and he's using examples in other languages of, of filler words so that if you're, you know, interacting with people in, you know, Great Britain or France, okay, this might be the filler word that you use there. And he gets around to talking about China. There is, now in, in China, there's multiple languages, but one of the filler words that apparently is common in various different you know, languages in Chinese, primarily Mandarin, is a word which, when you pronounce it in English, sounds like the N-word. It isn't the N-word. It, it, it's not the, the N-word, but it's a word that sounds like the N-word. So his point is, hey, if, if you're dealing with you know, people in, in China, just like people in you, the U.S. might use um or er or whatever, and, and you hear this particular word, well, this is, this is the, is a filler word. Um, it, it's, and it sounds like the word, it, it sounds like the N word, but it means in Chinese, particularly in Mandarin, it means that. And it's just, it is the equivalent of um or o oh, or er. All right, so so that's it. And it's, by the way, it's not the N-word, and it's just one of the examples he gives. The students taking this course decide that they are going to, they're going to protest. To some students, the word sounded like the N-word in English. The next day, a group of master's candidates complained to the dean of the school of of business, and they say that their mental health had been affected by the professor's use of this word in Chinese to make his point about the filler words. And that as a, they know it's not the N-word, but the fact that he would even reference a word in another language that might sound like this. And his point was, hey, you, you, you might come into contact with this. This is a filler word. Um, they said that it had affected their mental health and they were unable to focus on their studies. To expect that we will sit through two more weeks of this class, knowing that the professor lacks the tact, racial awareness, and empathy to lead and teach an audience as diverse as ours is unacceptable. And so, as a result of this, the dean of the school says, well, I, I'm just, I, I, this, this sounds, it's, it's not this word, but it sounds like a vile racial slur in English. This caused great pain and upset among students. I am deeply sorry. It is simply unacceptable for faculty to use such examples or language in class because they can harm you or your feelings. As a school, we must and will do better. And so the professor has now stopped teaching that class. I, I just I, I look at this story and I say, well, everybody knows what the professor was trying to do. Everybody knows he wasn't using a slur. And I guess, look, 
I, I mean, I, I sent this out as kind of a snowflake alert. I appreciate that people, you know, should not be intimidated. They should not be bullied. They should not be harassed in class. I, I understand all that. But at the same time, we live in this big, wide world out there. And if you're dealing with international people who may go on, you know, again, to be, you know, dealing with, in the, you know, they're, they're looking for masters. So, they're going for their masters. They will be dealing in international business, and there is an occasion. He's trying to teach communication. He's trying to get people to stop using ums or ers or whatever, and he's using examples of that equivalent in foreign languages. So I guess what happens when one of these people graduates, they go out into the, the real world, and they're, they're dealing in international business, and they're at some presentation, and they hear somebody who is speaking in Mandarin or whatever who is using this word that means that in Mandarin. It has a different connotation, even though it's a different word. What, what are they going to do, get offended, walk out or whatever? Or isn't it better to prepare them saying, hey, hey look, this is, this is a word that you might actually hear when you are out in the real world. How much can we protect people? And this idea that, oh, you know, people now can't concentrate in class because he used this as an example. At some point in time, again, don't we have to recognize that there's this big world out there and that, I don't know, things are different in, you know, different countries. And particularly when you're talking about language, don't you think people would want to be educated as opposed to being offended? But I guess not. If you want to see the story and you follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner um, 620 on Twitter. When we come back, waitress, I'd like an Arnold Palmer with my Robert E. Lee. I will explain and we will discuss. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We have a resp- uh, on, on my Twitter account, somebody just tweeted back at me, Jeff, I was in China for work over 10 years ago, and I noticed the word that you were referencing I- immediately. It's used a lot. It's probably a good idea to teach people what it is and what it means. I never knew what it was until I listened to your segment. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's it. The word means that in Mandarin. It's used commonly, and now this professor, he's essentially been put on the sidelines for using it in explaining that, hey, you know, in other cultures, you're going to hear these filler words, and if you hear this when you're dealing with somebody from China, this is what it means. All right, let us switch gears. Gru, producing the show today and always, do you know what an Arnold Palmer is? Yeah, it's a uh, black tea and lemonade. Well, it's lemonade, lemonade and tea. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right, and, it, and it's named after the golfer Arnold Palmer, who apparently liked those. So you, you have you have that. If you go into restaurants from time to time, you will you know you, if you order an Arnold Palmer, things people know what you want. If you order a Tom Collins, people know what that that drink is. If you go into restaurants, a lot of times on the on the menu, they will have names for various you know, various menu items, you know, it's so instead of like two eggs over easy and bacon, maybe they'll call that the Gru, you know, whatever. And and that's, that's just what they do. It's a cute way of doing that. You can still order two eggs over easy with bacon and hash browns. But, you know, if you're a regular, you say, give me the Gru. And that's what they, they know what you want. Brings me to the story of the Eleavenworth Cafe in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, the Eleavenworth Cafe goes back decades and it, it's in downtown Omaha and it's it's a popular or at least it was a very popular you know, breakfast joint you know breakfast and lunch that's the place it's it's a diner most of the items 
on the menu do not have names. There's two exceptions. One is the working man's breakfast, which is apparently like lots of different stuff. So you can go in and say, give me the working man's breakfast. The other is the Robert E. Lee. All right, what is the Robert E. Lee? The Robert E. Lee is two sausage patties smooshed between biscuits and smothered in gravy. All right, so that, that's the Robert E. Lee. Nobody, it, it's been the Robert E. Lee at this place for for as long as anybody can remember. And nobody actually knows what the history is, why they call it the, the Robert E. Lee, other than there, there's some sort of folklore that says that, that Robert E. Lee liked something like this. But but nobody knows who named it the Robert E. Lee. Nobody knows why it's called the Robert E. Lee. It's, it's just, you know, biscuits and gravy. They call it the Robert E. Lee. Plain old Midwestern food, but this is the Robert E. Lee. I tell you about this, and I've got a link to this story up. Again, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Well, what happens is you have, after the the George Floyd death, you have have protesters all over, including in Omaha. And there's a Facebook post that that goes up um, talking about how this restaurant is serving these biscuits and gravy, and it's called the Robert E. Lee. And as a result, this restaurant becomes the target of all these protests because they have this menu item called the, the Robert E. Lee. To And now the restaurant has been open since 1970. So, you know, over, you know, it's 1979. So over 40 years, been fine. Nobody argues that the that the restaurant doesn't serve persons of color. Nobody argues that the restaurant is a, is a bad place. But they've got this menu item called the Robert E. Lee. So what happens is um, after after they get called out for having the Robert E. Lee, what happens is 75 protesters gather outside the cafe yelling Black Lives Matter and shut it down. Police have to show up escorting diners from the restaurant past jeering demonstrators who apparently, you know, show up now on a several day basis just protesting because they've got something called the Robert E. Lee on the menu. Um, the reviews, what happens is in social media, people, including lots of people that have never eaten there, go on and they start giving the thing like zero star reviews. You know, Can you believe this? It's a terrible place. Don't go there. All because they've got the Robert E. Lee on, on the menu. The owner's response, they closed the place down. They, they closed the place down. They said, look, here, here's the deal. Our family, it's a family run business. We had been threatened. On social media, we've been threatened at our home. The verbal abuse, the taunting, having to be escorted to and from our cars by police and security um, was more than we can watch and endure. And, you know, we have no plans to reopen the diner. So their response to the, the bullies and the protesters were, we're going to close this down. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I guess... They could have simply said, you know, you're, you're right. We're sorry if anybody's been offended by this, even though it's been on the menu for, for decades. We're just going to change the name of the Robert E. Lee, and from now on, you're going to have biscuits and gravy. But instead, their reaction was, all right, we're just not going to put up with this. We're, we're not going to be bullied into these things, and we're going to shut down the diner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
I, I think sometimes this cancel culture just goes overboard. I don't think there's anything wrong with calling the dish the Robert E. Lee. They're not celebrating, I don't know, slavery. It's just the name that they gave to this particular dish. Should they have been the subject of protests, or was this a misguided attempt to, I don't know, try to inform some sort of social justice thing? I mean, aren't there bigger issues than worrying about what they call biscuits and gravy at this one particular restaurant? And has it now, has that now become so, so politically incorrect? that you got to cancel them. 855-616-1620. My, my answer is this is, it is unfortunate and it shows, I think, how far, how far afield some of the social justice protesters have gotten. We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. And this is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Jeff, this has gone too far. People lose their minds. My husband graduated from a high school in the South. Guess its name, Robert E. Lee. Should I divorce him because he graduated from a high school with this name? Will his employer fire him? What is What the heck is going on? It's part of our history, good or bad. Um, let's see. Jeff, are we going to eliminate any city name, street name, names on memorials, etc., to appease a few? Let's stop the madness now. Now, look, I understand that there are there are legitimate issues. I mean, you can I for the longest time, I haven't under I never understood why you had Confederate flags that were flying over state capitals. All right? I, I understand that. I understand where in some communities you can make the argument, why do we have in public squares, why do we have monuments celebrating and Robert E. Lee or Jefferson Davis, you know, people who were, were stalwarts of the Confederacy, which, you know, again, we're trying to secede from the Union. I, I understand that. But that's not what we're talking about here. The, we're talking about a, a restaurant that, for whatever reason, in Omaha, Nebraska, and it's not a, a celebration of Robert E. Lee. It's not a celebration of the South. It's just, hey, this is what we call this particular menu item. So now the whole situation is, well, okay, you, you've got to, you've got to take that down they actually the, the protesters what they wanted at first was they wanted the menu item taken off and then they wanted a donation of 500 to a thousand dollars to some you know cause dear to the protesters so they meet with the owner and then ultimately some people decide well 500 to a thousand dollars isn't enough so they want more money at which point in time the owner just said look that's it you know i'm, I'm done I'm, I'm done with all this, but I, I guess I, I look at where the cancel culture is going now, and I wonder, are there limits? And here's, and it's going to be one of the themes of today's program, I, I, there's, there's no question that the ongoing social justice movements raise legitimate issues that I think everybody has to confront. At the same time, the question is, where, do, when do you go too far? And, and where where are the battles that you want to, to fight? And th- this idea that a private business can't sell Arnold Palmer's or Robert E. Lee's or, or whatever, the idea that you can't do that because somebody somewhere is going to be offended, I think that's the point where, again, at least for certain aspects of the social justice movements, the protests start to jump the shark because people say, really, you're, you're, you're protesting out there in part because, I don't know, you, you don't like the name of what they call this breakfast thing that nobody even knows the history of? Seriously. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, so Eric Gilson, I want to put you on the spot here. I want you to be completely honest. 
All right, that that's completely honest. Okay. Here. All right. Have you ever used the term cotton picking? I don't think so, only because I think it's a little bit before my yeah. my time right. generationally. Right. Yeah, exactly. But but it's it's a term. It I know you, of you've the heard term, of it. Sure. It's yeah. kind of like keep your cotton picking hands off yep. my popcorn. Yep. Yeah, I'll be there in a cotton picking minute. Sure. Right. It's, yeah. And and of course the history of this is if if you look up the, the term cotton picking, it, it it's sort of like a. It's an alternative to using a swear word. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's kind of sure. like it's kind of like saying "darn." That that that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> okay. It is. It's kind of like "darn" instead of some other word, but yeah. it's kind of like like fill in the blank. So that that that's it. But you've at least heard that oh, sure. term yep. used. Okay. All right. Which brings me to our lead-off topic for this hour. And and I I know I talk about some of these stories, and I know you hear them and you say, it can't be that way, Jeff. But but it is. As a matter of fact, I if you follow me on Twitter, at JeffWagner620, I've got a, a link to this story. It comes out of Texas, and there is a Texas high school that is essentially saying, keep your cotton-picking hands off our team name. Here is the story, and I want to discuss it with you. The... Robstown High School is is kind of in in the Corpus Christi, Texas area. So you're talking about South Texas. All right. Since, well, since the early 1900s, the nickname for this high school has been the Cotton Pickers. That that's what they're called. They're called the Cotton Picker Pickers. And again, they've they've had this nickname for over a hundred years. Now, why do they have this this nickname, the Cotton Pickers? Well, it's because, at least historically, this was an area, I guess, where where people picked cotton for a, a living. That that's that's what they did. People picked cotton. All sorts of people pick cotton. Matter of fact, apparently the, the, the makeup of the community is primarily Hispanic or Latino. But Hispanics and Latinos historically picked cotton. You had white people that picked cotton. You had black people that picked cotton as well. So they've been the cotton pickers since the 1900s. There is, there, there, there's a controversy because the high school football team has started to, to play again. Apparently one of the, a reporter, from Corpus Christi TV station last Friday posts a pregame clip, you know, of the team like warming up. And the caption says the Robstown cotton pickers come out before their season opener against London, another high school, I guess, tonight. The Robstown cotton pickers come out before their season opener against London tonight. Yes, the, the cotton pickers. Since that tweet, which w- was not designed to call any sort of negative attention to this, um, it has gone viral. And apparently Facebook explodes with people who are outraged, outraged, I say, over the fact that this name, this team would call themselves the, the Cotton Pickers, talking about how this is racist, this is offensive, how could they possibly do this? Now, the the school... Has responded. Matter of fact, there's a big story in in the Washington Post on this. This story made the Washington Post. And again, I've got a link to it. Or if you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner six twenty. So here's what the school says. The school says 
Well, the Robstown Independent School District has not received commentary from parents or community members regarding our school mascot. The area around Robstown is one of the leading cotton-producing regions in the United States. To be a Robstown cotton picker represents a sense of pride based on tradition for the students and a historical legacy for the community members of Robstown. Thus... Our community does not perceive a negative connotation connected with the nickname. At this time, Robstown Independent School District will still f- stay focused on student needs as a priority, etc., etc. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, let, let's, let's be honest here. Uh, back, you know, pre-Civil War, you had plantations in the South, and one of the, the principal things they, they had on it, they grew cotton. And on those plantations, not all, but on many of the plantations, they used slave labor to pick the cotton. Now, other people pick cotton besides the slaves as well. Since the Civil War and since slavery was abolished, you've had all sorts of people who have picked cotton. We pick cotton to this day, although it, it's not done by hand, I don't think, any anymore, at least not in most places. But, you know, we, we pick cotton. And so, yes, slaves picked cotton in the 1800s. Other people pick cotton as well. So now it's 2020. The team which comes from an area where cotton is grown, a cotton-producing region, calls themselves the Cotton Pickers. And lots and lots of people are on Facebook are offended and outraged by this. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The school district has essentially said to its critics, pound sand, keep your cotton-picking hands off our nickname. Are they right? Are they wrong? Is this the cancel culture perhaps run amok? Should they change the name? Would a reasonable person be offended by this? My answer would be, yes, it is the cancel culture run amok. Yes, it is political correctness run amok. And no, the school should not change. We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The Wisconsin Sports Awards is an event that honors and celebrates excellence in Wisconsin athletes and teams at all levels of competition from high school to pros. This year, the awards are up to you, the fans. Visit WisconsinSportsAwards.com to see the nominees and to cast your vote. Also, by voting, you could win tickets to next year's in-person event. Go to WisconsinSportsAwards.com and vote today. Um, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, you remember a few months ago, there was a school in northern Wisconsin that called themselves the Midgets, and the history of that was because, and at one point in time, decades and decades ago, they, they made the state basketball tournament, all the players were small, and, and so the, the announcer said, oh, these are a bunch of Midgets, and then and then, and for the years and years and years, they maintained that nickname. Finally, they, they gave in. They said, okay, we don't want to offend, you know, people, so we're going to change that. Right? Is that the same sort of thing here? You've got a high school, you've got a high school football team. They're called the Cotton Pickers. They've been called the Cotton Pickers since the early 1900s. They come from a region in South Texas where people pick cotton. They do not view this as a slur. They do not consider it to have racial overtones. The district is primarily overwhelmingly Hispanic, and lots of people, I think to this day, still pick cotton. Should they have to change their name? Let's start with Peggy on the west side. Hi, Peggy. 
Hi, Jeff. Um, I just look at this as another way of trying to erase history of this country because, like, throwing all the statues in the lake and rivers, I, I think this is just another way that people just want to get rid of everything that ever happened in this country. And history is what it is. It's history, and it it happened whether they want to believe it or not, or if they want to wipe it away and say it never did. I I think this is ridiculous. I have a Nextdoor app, and I was on there one day, and I used the word somebody stole something, and I said, can't people keep their cotton-picking hands yeah. off stuff? Boy, did I get it. I got really? it every, every angle. That's a horrible word to use. You know what that means? And I thought, what did I say? Well, right. No, no. What What does it mean? Like, like I say, the history of the phrase cotton picking is it, it's a it's a you use it in place of an expletive. You didn't want to use a bad word, so you use it. That's that's the history of of this. And and it. I mean, I don't know where this ended up having racial overtones. I mean, it's been something that's been around for a long, long time. And yes, slaves pick cotton, but all sorts of other people pick cotton as well. Everybody's looking for a bandwagon to jump on, and I think this is just one of those one of those things. Somebody thought of something. Hey, wait a minute! You know this happened back then. Right. We so should I, be I know, right. That's my, that's my opinion. No, thanks for call, Peggy. Right. This is one where oh my gosh, somebody sees it and, and they can't articulate a reason why they should be offended. But we we should be offended by this. Now, look, I understand that there are offensive terms that are out there. And I understand that we've we've had some discussions about, all right, just because something was acceptable 100 years ago doesn't mean it's acceptable now. And and I, I understand and I get that type of argument. But the idea that, okay, using the phrase, in this case, it's, it's the cotton pickers, where the largely Hispanic community, they grew up picking cotton, that that, that should be considered to be offensive. And, and nobody in the community considers it to be offensive. And I guess I find myself thinking that, that if, if people, this is one of these things where I think people feign outrage. Oh, we should be offended by this because, okay, it, it's Tuesday and we don't know what else we have to be offended by. Gianni and Montello, you're in WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Interesting topic. Hey, I'm, I'm kind of a, a, an a- amateur linguist, and um, my, my ancestors um, settled in Al- Al- in Alabama, and I'm sure they were poor uh, from Scandinavia, and they, they, I'm sure they picked cotton and, 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 and other things uh, to get by. And that, but I, I think the cancel culture, um, I think they jumped the shark. Yeah. Um, we're, we're going way too far w- w- with the, this political correctness. Um, and I, I think that you know, it, it really um, it, it denigrates um, the real issues yes. that we should be talking about. Uh, we're, 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 we're on the 65th anniversary of the death of Emmett Till in Mississippi in 1955. Yep. That's the real issue that we should be talking about and how that, that, right. that fostered and uh, was the catalyst for the civil rights movement. Not, not whether um, right. you, someone is uh, you know, using uh, cotton picking. Because right. I use the term from, from now and then. But well, sure, is on, it, let's no, get to the real stuff. Right. The no, real Gianni, stuff no, that I'm, matters in Gianni, American Gianni, no, thanks for going. I'm, I'm with you. It, you concentrate on on the big I- examples that are out there somebody's saying okay can we call the people from nebraska can do we have to get rid of the nickname corn huskers i i don't know but i mean it, it's all right it, right cotton picking refers to that process somebody sends me a text i can't tell if it's tongue-in-cheek or not saying jeff you really don't understand why people are offended no i really don't understand why people are offended that that is a legit i, I don't understand why somebody would be offended by this nickname now I mean, could you use could you use that phrase in in a context, 
you know, directed at somebody in a way that was intended to be offensive. Well, well, yeah, I guess I could imagine something like that, but that's that's not what this is. You know, it, this this idea that again we're we're going to wake up one morning and we're going to be offended by this or that or you know the other thing. That's what I think is really you know where where it goes on. And I and I say again, regardless of regardless of whether you're white or black or Hispanic, I, I, I mean, it's tough for me to understand how anybody could be offended by that particular term. And, and I guess the other phrase is, the other concept is, given the fact that, again, in the South, where cotton is grown, it, it's an agricultural com- community, yes, slaves pre-1860-whatever picked cotton. But lots of other people pick cotton as well. And since then, you know, all sorts of other people have picked cotton as well. I mean, it's it's the it's the industry. They are the cotton pickers. People in the community are not concerned about this. Here's a text. Jeff, you know, it's a good issue. You know, can't we get to the real issues um, by by looking at stuff like this? That, that's exactly right. It's like, all right, you know, this is what people sitting around on Facebook are going to get incensed about because some sports reporter who wasn't even trying to make the point, the sports reporter is, hey, it's the start of the 2020 football season for the Robstown cotton pickers. Interesting little trivia note. Gene Upshaw, who's in the NFL Hall of Fame, he was a, a guard for the Oakland Raiders back when they were the Oakland Raiders and he's the former NFL Players Association president Gene Upstraw he's um he's one of the notable alumni from Robstown High School and at least at least so far in the face of at least outrage on Facebook they remain the Robstown cotton pickers if you want to see more about the story again uh, if you follow me on Twitter I sent out a link it's at Jeff Wagner 620 Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ Hey, there's something special about hometown teams. They're rooted in our backyard. They give you hope, passion, excitement, and make an impact on your local community. That's why News Radio 620 WTMJ is teaming up with Associated Bank to help local businesses grow and succeed by giving one deserving business an advertising campaign valued at $50,000. That's right, $50,000. Businesses can enter at rebuildingwibusiness.com by September 27th. Supporting our communities is a meaningful tradition. Associated Bank and News Radio 620 WTMJ want to be on your team. Enter to win and find the official contest rules at rebuildingwibusiness.com. That's rebuildingwibusiness.com. They're a member of the FDIC. I'm a huge fan of Associated Bank. They, they do a lot for the community. Interestingly, they're in the news, and it kind of reflects, I think, some of the changes that are going through, that, that we're going through in, really, in, in the post-COVID, not that there's necessarily post-COVID, but the post-COVID world. And that is that, that more and more people are figuring out ways to conduct their banking transactions remotely. Um, I, I mean, I used to, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I used to, you know, go to the bank a couple times a week. I'd go into cash checks and things like that. I, I have not been inside a bank. I can't remember the last time that I actually physically went inside the bank. I, 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 if you carry cash, 
You know, you, you go and you use the ATM machine that's there. I mean, I do a lot of banking transactions, but it's all online, transferring money from one account to another, paying bills electronically and things like that. It's just, I, I mean, do I go to the drive through every once in a while if I have a check that I'm going to deposit? Yeah, but actually physically going into the bank's proper just, just doesn't happen that much for me anymore, and I suspect it doesn't happen a lot for other people as well. To that point, the news over the weekend, Associated Bank, which has been, you know, I mean, they're they're a growing concern. You know, they're they're growing quite a bit, but they've announced that they're going to be consolidating fourteen of their branches in in Wisconsin as you know customers are migrating to digital banking. And so what they're doing is they're finding, okay, we don't we don't need two separate brick and mortar banks within two miles of each other. You know, we want to have the physical structures so we can service the community, but there's less and less people just like, you know, I'm not going into banks physically as much anymore. There's fewer and fewer people doing it. So what they're doing is they're they're consolidating 14 different branches. They are opening a couple new as well. But the folks at Associated Banks say, look, we're analyzing and evolving our delivery model to ensure that we're matching preferences of our customers and our banking patterns. I swear there was a time when I was watching just like buildings getting leveled and it seemed like they were building in their place of the buildings it was either going to be a bank or it was going to be a drugstore either like a cvs or a walgreens now that that's all kind of changing you notice that too melissa i no, i haven't but i was uh, listening to you yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's just i mean if, if you think of it and when you think about banking i mean I, I don't know i mean do you do you actually physically go into the bank for that's often? interesting you asked me that because if you would have asked me a year ago i would say no i never go to the bank but i do this cash envelope system for a budget and so yeah i do go in two times a month and i grab cash i can do it also from the atm yeah right yeah but i but i do go in and i say hi to people and right but um yeah See, normally i would not do that or if i have to cash a check you can do that via your your phone your app right right everything is mobile and it's very convenient for people not to see any anymore yeah, I mean I, <laughs> it really I'm, is. I am trying to think of the last time I physically went into a bank mm-hmm. and it was probably well it might have been a couple of years ago when um I, I was you know we, we were after Fran and I got married we were like opening up a couple of joint sure, accounts sure. or or putting my name on my account or her name on my mm-hmm. or her name on mine or vice versa and so then physically you had to go in and fill out some of of that stuff but otherwise it's all conducted electronically or it's conducted you know over the phone or a personal banker you call them up you say do this it's and if there's something that needs to be signed, a lot of times they just send you the sign you send you the paperwork. Well, unless you need a lot of cash, like hundreds of dollars, you can just go through the grocery store checkout and click that you want cash back and get twenty dollars or forty. I've never done that. You haven't done that. Oh, no, I, the grocery I, but, store. Yeah. No, I mean I just go to the ATM machine yeah, 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 and take yeah. care of that. Yeah, For but sure. it, but it is. It's it's just it's very it's easy. Just things are things mm-hmm. are are changing, and they don't need as many brick and mortar stores as they used to have. Makes and sense. That's just the reality. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
So very glad to have you with us. I have a link to this story as well. I was active on Twitter today. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620. But no, there, there's some of these stories out there. And the reason I, I felt compelled to share them is because I know sometimes you might be listening to me while you're in your car or whatever. And you say, I can't believe that story or he, he, he that can't be real. He's just making this up. But no, I just th- th- this is this is the latest story. It involves a 12 year old who has been suspended from school for violating the school's zero tolerance policy. Okay, that's the, that's the background of this. I think this is absolutely nuts. I think people need their heads examined, but I'm willing to discuss this. So here's the deal. You've got this sev- this 12-year-old kid, um, and the 12-year-old kid is in, he's in school. But actually, he's not in in-person school. What he is, is he's taking classes. It's in Colorado. It's virtual. All right? The school is not allowing kids back in, so it's virtual. So here's the deal. The 12-year-old is sitting on his couch at home, and he's got the laptop computer on the table in front of him. And so he's he's participating. There's other kids that are participating as well. What the 12-year-old doesn't know, although I'm not sure this would have changed things, is that without telling the parents, the school and the teacher, they're recording the session. So it, it's being recorded so you can see all the kids that are that are there, you know, in their faces and stuff like that. So it's it's a Zoom thing, you know. It's so the kids there, cameras on him. He doesn't know he's being recorded. Cameras are presumably on his other classmates as well. But it, it's it's a virtual class. Kid is sitting on his couch at home. Apparently, on one side of the couch where the kid is sitting, there is a squirt gun. All right. Uh, it is a toy gun. It is, and I've you, know, you can follow me on Twitter. I got a picture of it. It's neon green and black with an orange tip featuring the words on the handle that say "Zombie Hunter." Okay, it's it's clearly a fake toy gun. It's on the couch next to the kid as he is participating in the, this this virtual session. What the kid does is he, while while he's in class, he you can just see him, I guess, on the video. He reaches over, he grabs the gun on his right, and then he moves it over. He doesn't, like, point it at the camera or anything, but he moves it over, puts it in his left hand, and then it goes out of the picture. So the kid moves the squirt gun from the right side of the couch to the left side of the couch, or, or vice versa. And while he's doing this, he, he's on camera. So the teacher sees the kid with the, the toy gun, and, and the, the, the teacher knows it's a toy gun. There, there's no question about it, because like I say, it's neon green and black with an orange tip. Teacher doesn't think that this kid has a real gun, but she sees him move the thing from one side to the other. Now, if you brought this gun, toy or otherwise, to school, you would be violating their zero tolerance policy, even though it's clearly a squirt gun, even though it is not a functioning real pistol, you'd be violating the policy if you brought it to school. But he didn't really bring it to school. He's on his couch. 
this toy gun is on one side of the couch, and he moves it from one side to the other. And as near as I can figure out, it was just kind of like a nervous sort of thing. You know, you're, I'm sitting here right now in front of the microphone, and I've got my pen on my right side. I just move my pen over to my left side. It's just you know something that the kid does. It wasn't intended in any sort of menacing fashion. The teacher calls the cops. And um, even though the teacher thought it was a toy gun, calls the cop, says, hey, th- this this kid, we, we caught this on video, and the authorities go out to do a welfare check on on the child. Um, the kid apparently wasn't even aware that this, this, this gun had been, this toy gun had been seen on, on the screen. So the, the kid, next thing he knows, you've got the police showing up at the house to check on his his welfare and again nobody knows exactly what's going on here why why are the cops there on top of that the school district has now suspended the child wait for it for 5 days for violating their zero tolerance policy with regard to weapons in this case the fake zombie hunter squirt gun our number 855 616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. The kids' parents are outraged. The school district is is not backing down or explaining. They're saying, hey, we, we've got our protocols, and, you know, the rules apply to virtual learning just like they apply to in-class. And if the kid would have brought this to school, well, you know, we would have suspended him for five days. So the fact that he had this toy gun sitting on the couch next to him, and apparently unbeknownst to him, when he moved it from one side to the other, it got captured on camera, that justifies a five-day suspension 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I can't tell you how nuts I think this is. But I, is this rules or rules, or is this the complete lack of common sense? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, if I were the parent of this 12-year-old, I, I would be absolutely outraged. First of all, I'd be outraged that the school was taping my child without me telling them that. You know, the, the kids and the parents apparently didn't know that the school was videoing it. And I'm not saying they don't necessarily have the right to do it, but I would certainly disclose to the parents, oh, by the way, you know, we're going to be filming every, we're going to be, not filming, but we're going to be recording all, all these sessions. I, I would disclose that to the parents. Secondly, you know, this teacher who sees the kid in what is apparently just kind of like a nervous gesture it's not first of all nobody argues that this was uh, this was a toy that they didn't know it was a toy gun it, i mean look i i understand if you see the kid pull something that looks like it's a 9 millimeter pistol and start waving it and pointing it at the camera or the teacher even if it's virtual that might be a basis to say hey we we've got something going on here maybe you call the parents maybe you call the authorities but everybody knew this was a toy gun and the kid wasn't brandishing it he just it's on the couch next to him he's sitting at home he moves it from one side to the other and then without alerting the parents you call the cops and the child welfare people i mean it's just to me absolutely nuts and if i were the parents i would be absolutely outraged i would be saying if you had a concern about this what what is a starting point why didn't you just pick up the phone and call 
you know, and, and say, you know, what you saw. And I say, oh, that's that's squirt gun. But but at the same time, this idea that, all right, bringing this this toy gun to school, which I understand raises different sort of issues to say that, OK, well, we're treating the kids living room the same as if it was an actual classroom. I mean, give me give me a break. What if what if there's a gun case behind the, the kid that, you know, and that that's the backdrop and you, you see the kid, you know, with with dad's rifles all lined up or something. Does, does that mean that, all right, the kid has violated the zero tolerance policy? Let's talk to Matt. No Creek. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? Real well, thank you. What do you think? I think that if the school district wants to play hardball like this with these parents, that the parents should turn around and sue the school district for invasion of privacy and recording of a minor without consent. If this virtual learning stuff, if they didn't agree to any type of, uh, you know, sessions being recorded without their knowledge, you know, this is the same thing could be applied. What if he was sitting in his kitchen and behind him was a butcher's block from right. when his parents, which his parents used for cooking? Right. You know, this is absolutely ridiculous. And you have, if they did record it and they were able to provide this to the police, do the police have nothing better to do than go to this young man's house? You know, when obviously, why didn't they look at it and say, look, ma'am, or, you know, the, to whoever the teacher was, this is clearly a squirt gun. We're not going to waste our time on this. Not right. to mention he's in his own house. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't have the same rules apply. Well, no, I would. Thanks. For, I say I, I agree with you completely. I mean, I, I like your example of, of the knife. What if just for the sake of argument, what if the kid is sitting at the kitchen table and, for example, he's got. I don't know, a, a piece of toast there or something like that. And it's one point in time he, he reaches over and he takes out a knife and he butters the toast or puts jelly on it or something like that. I mean, I, I understand. Are, are you going to, like, turn him in for violating the school rule on, on no weapons? And you say, well, if, if he brought a knife to school, well, we'd be calling the police. Yeah, well, I get that. But, but it's not... He didn't go to, he's not in school. He's in his own home. There's household products that are there. Now, again, I, I will concede that if they thought it was a real gun, you know, maybe even, regardless of whether the kid brandishes or not, if you've got a 12-year-old kid that's sitting on a couch playing with a real gun and the teacher sees it, I, I understand that that is cause for concern. But in this story, everybody agrees that the teacher recognized that this thing with the orange cap and the neon that said zombie hunter on the side of it that was only glimpsed for a, a couple seconds as the kid moved it from one side of the couch to the other, everybody knew that it was it was a squirt gun. Everybody knew that it was a squirt gun. So there's not any concern here that you've got the child that, that's got access to the real gun. To me, I mean, what you do, if you think it's even necessary to do that, is again, you pick up the phone, you call mom and dad, and you say, just so you know, um, that this is, you know, just so you know, this is what's, what's going on here. I was just curious, and I'd say, oh, yeah, he had the squirt gun out on the, the couch next to him, and that's what this was, period. That's it. Here's a text, Jeff. They record your kid? Heck no, that should be illegal. That's like having a live uh, feed watching in your side, you know, in the house. Jeff, what if his brothers were in the background playing with toy guns in the room? Well, I think those are all fair things. Jeff, in our society, I think this would be ripe for a lawsuit. The school district does not have standing to dictate its rules in private individuals' homes. Yeah, again, to me, that that's the key. And unless you've got a real clear concern that what's going on there is endangering the child, you know, at that point in time, it's like, oh, oh you know, okay. Again, I don't know if the kid 
I don't know if he's twirling a pen, if he's, you know, got one of those little wheels that you would spin. Regardless, um, what can you say? Jeff, I'm a retired teacher, and this would have never made my radar. And I'm very surprised that the principal didn't have a little more common sense. Also, at a later time, the teacher could have privately mentioned um, to the student and said, you know, make sure you don't have that in the viewing site. Right, right. That's right that that's it maybe that's the best way to handle it at some point in time you just send an email saying you know i i noticed that you you know were fidgeting on the couch and i noticed that you had this squirt gun by you and and you really should put that aside oh just just again something like that short of calling the the child and protective services people jeff once again educators showing their lack of common sense how about um they should all be mandated to take a common sense class. Jeff, I'm beginning to think that the real long-term effect of COVID-19 is the total loss of sensibility. He's at home. <laughs> yeah, well, he he was at home. Jeff, seriously, these kids are overreaching. Now they're trying to control what's in the area around the student at home. Yet, yes, you know, yes, they are. I mean, absolutely. And again, I, I sent the story out on and that, that the parents Parent, the parents objected to the five-day suspension, but they decided to take it one step up. Rather than filing a lawsuit, they said, you know what? We're just pulling our kid out of the school district. If this if this what is what passes for common sense in the school district, we don't want any part of it. But, but yeah, school district not backing down. They're saying, hey, our, our rules are our rules, and we consider virtual learning to be the same as the classroom. So... You know, we, you know, if, if you've got, if we see that squirt gun, we're going to treat you like this. Now, somebody sent me a text saying, well, that, that his children or her children are, are, that they're in virtual learning and they're at a school, I assume it's like a parochial school or something that requires the kids to wear school uniforms. And the rule is that the kids, you know, at the virtual learning, they're supposed to wear the school uniforms. I don't have a problem with that. That's, that's again saying okay this this is our requirement we want you to treat virtual learning like you would treat uh, again like you would you're going to pretend even though you're sitting in your own living room or your den or your bedroom or whatever we're going to treat it like you're in your classroom we want you to be prepared for learn so learn so yes we we want you to wear a school uniform to me that's different than calling the cops when a kid happens to grab a squirt gun and move it from one side to the other this is Jeff Wagner WTMJ I sent out uh, this story on on Twitter. I got actually a great response from one of our listeners, Javier, who who sent me a picture. He said, I guess my kids would be in serious trouble. Now, the kid in Colorado, that's where some people say, where does this happen? The kid in Colorado, he gets in trouble for being going through the virtual learning and moving the squirt gun from one side to the other. Um, Javier's kids, he's got got a picture of it. It looks like the, I don't know, I don't know if it's a kid's bedroom or if it's like the, the entryway to the house or something, and they've got these like pegboards, and there's all these... All these giant, they're Nerf guns is what they are. There's all these like Nerf guns that are hanging up, you know, and you've got the Nerf machine guns and you've got the Nerf pistols and stuff like that. And, and, and yes, Javier, my guess is you are absolutely correct. If, if you decided that you were going to set your child down for virtual learning and that was the backdrop, my guess is be prepared for a visit from the, the child protective people. Cause even though everybody knows that it's a Nerf gun and it's fake and there's no danger there, it, it's still, they'd wonder, oh my gosh, how, how can you, you're violating our zero tolerance policy pretty funny and it, you know and i i know school administrators and teachers hate when i go off on some of these topics but the, the truth of the matter is if if people in whatever profession 
don't want to be made fun of for doing stupid things, the, the answer is real simple. Don't do the stupid things in the first place. Then, then, then you don't get made fun of on radio talk shows. It's real simple. Okay, when we come back, going, going, gone, and Labor Day, COVID-19, what's the future? That and lots more coming up in the 2 o'clock hour of the show. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. What a dreary day. Well, you know, Melissa Barkley, it's not going to be dreary at the end of this week. You know, we got a, we got big doings here with the WTMJ family. You know what's going on? At the end of the week on Friday? Well, on Saturday, on actually. On Saturday. My producer grew. He's getting married. Oh, that's right. What time are you getting married on Saturday? Well, it'll be in Escanaba, Michigan, but uh, <laughs> like 4 p.m. <laughs> okay, I'll be right there. <laughs> at, 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 absolutely, we'll, we'll, we'll be we'll be checking out the weather forecast yes. for Escanaba, Michigan. There, you know, so hopefully it'll work out. Yeah, I think there's a 30, 40 percent chance of rain, and I think the high is around 63. Ooh, so not yeah. not quite as warm as Milwaukee, but mm-hmm. fingers crossed. Well, I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, are, how excited are you? Are you nervous? Uh, I wouldn't say nervous. There is a sense of anxiety, mm. but it's it's a it's a it's a positive a anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're not really ner- all the all the ducks are in order. Now it's the what we keep saying like three, four more sleeps until we're there. Oh, it's just, that's nice. I, I ne- you know it's it's interesting. I I never minded being married. Um, I, I've never minded for all the years I was married to my late wife and mm-hmm. now to Fran. I've never minded being married. I did acknowledge I hated the process, especially the first time. I hated the process of getting married. Yeah. I, I hate because I know exactly what it's you're a talking. Lot. Well, you're, you're, I mean, we I tell this story. We'd, we'd go out, and, and this was back in the day where you you you'd have your like your your gift list, and you'd go and you'd people would have china. I do not understand for the life of me why decades ago we had people <laughs> give us china. I, I've got this yeah. great china that you never use never because use you, you it. Can't, it doesn't go in the dishwasher and stuff. And I I just I hated everything. It wasn't being married. I loved being married, but it was like all the worry and all the angst and yeah. all the you know geez, is this dress going to get done or you know it just I just I hated all that sort of stuff well I think the older you are the more practical you are with with your wedding and mm-hmm. all that entails I wouldn't you know I wouldn't put that on a registry like I'm like right. dishes you know <laughs> I would want something different and right. I mean I'm, I don't know how old you are Gru but I, you know the older you are the more the more we, you kind of look at we, things that we, really we, matter we, we signed up I, th- this is yeah. this is years ago so I mean the first time I got married was in the 80s so so um, we, we signed up for like this crystal, okay? I mean, this expensive. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's expensive crystal. I haven't. You. I don't think we ever. Maybe. <laughs> maybe one Christmas or something because you you can't put it in the dishwashers. So I mean, it's an expensive crystal, and you're you're kind of like. Well, I don't want to break it, so you know, we just never use that stuff. So now downstairs, I've got there's like a you should use a, it. a hutch. <laughs> or I don't know, but there, there's a hutch in in the basement of, of our place downstairs mm-hmm. where we've got like all this this high end china, and we've got all these like these Waterford crystal glass and stuff. And I'm, I I keep looking and think, what were we thinking? You know, when, when you know, and people and people would spend back then, you know, a oh, hundred yeah. bucks or whatever to get you one 
goblet or something like you know, that. I'm a big believer in, you know, I say, you know, how people save special things for a rainy day or save it for a special occasion. I say, use it now, use it today yes. because you're never, you never know when you're not going to use it. I, I, I just don't get that. Well, Letting it just sit there, look at it pretty. Well, when it's, you know, I, I see that sometimes with, with women with jewelry. Matter of yes. fact, Fran and mm-hmm. I've had this conversation, you know, you, you have a, you, you know, you, you have a nice bracelet or, or something that has sentimental value. And it's really nice, mm-hmm. and, and you never wear it. It's <laughs> never like wear it. It, it's like well, wear wear the thing. You That's know, enjoy it. Funny that you say that. My mom has this jewelry box that she has jewelry that she never wears because oh, that's special. Well, then wear it. Right, right. No, I agree. Well, yeah, what are you, what are you waiting for? Agree. Right. Yeah, wear it every day. Wear it, uh, you know, because it is special, and you never know when you might not get to wear it. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Life is short. That's mm-hmm. what it we, is that, short. That, that's the thing. Okay, so you're telling me I should go down to the basement yes. and like haul up all that expensive china. The other funny story about the china. Okay, so I I didn't this now this is years ago, and so I, I wanted I wanted no part. Of it. Like I said, I was anxious to get married, but I, I wanted no part <laughs> of the process. So I, I'm told that I, I've got to go to the registry and like look at the china and stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you fine. have to be involved. I, I have right. I, well, that's what they say. So we 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 go, and I remember back at the time um, in in Milwaukee, the the place where you went to register for for China was Watts. That was the you know it, it subsequently closed. I think at least as a as an as an operating store, not they Bed might, Bath and Beyond. No, like no. Now. So so we go to Watts, and they've got all this different China that, that's out there and stuff. And so my late wife says, "Well, what do you, what do you like?" And I'm like, "I don't. I, I mean, I, I don't want to be there in the first place." So I'm like looking around. I don't know. And it's like so. So I, 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 I say, I kind of like that. And I get this, oh, my God. That, 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 <laughs> what do you mean you like that? That looks like it should be in King Tut's tomb. Well, I remember. And I, kind like, of a setup. Well, Anything was, you pick because you yes, don't really know what you're that, looking that at. That was exactly <laughs> it. I, I told you, it doesn't matter yeah. to me. I can't believe that you like that. I, okay, well, I mean, I like this or that. Well, go with it. I mean, <laughs> it was, I'm, but, you know, they, they wanted us to be involved, and I got sucked in on that. So you, you haven't had to go through that, group. No, although I did feel like there was... Too many items on our registry, and I mean, Kaylee's response to that is we can never have too many items. And then it got to the point where even family was like, we, "We've run out of things on your registry. You need oh, to wow. keep adding more." And so, like now we have a we have a toaster for the first time, and like we we've never had use of a toaster ever in our four years of being together. And now we have a toaster, and now it's just like now we have things that are just going to be taking up space. As so long as you don't have duplicates, well, that's I, when it gets tricky. Yeah. Yeah. I have. I, it might be kind of gauche, but I think you're going to probably like our wedding gift. All <laughs> right, know, it's, it's 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 going to be something that I guarantee the two of you can can use. Is very it something practical. green? Yeah. It's a bigger <laughs> toaster. Paper? Yeah, that's, yeah may, maybe so. It, it's kind of that. Okay, well, but, but I said you. I see. I, I remember my Emily post. Mm-hmm. It's congratulations to the groom, and it is best wishes to the bride. Oh, I love that. That's the thing. So, in best case wishes. we don't say it later on this week. Right. Well, good luck. Well, yeah. Well, good luck to you. <laughs> and I'm sure it'll it'll work out well, and um, we'll, we'll look forward to the big party next year when hopefully things have have calmed down. But yeah, it's I like I say I, I I've never I've never minded being married. Um, I love being married, but the the process yeah it's That's a little tricky. It's a little tricky. Mm-hmm. The, the second time around, we we did it in a kind of a short term thing, and she took care of most of it, and so it it worked. It worked because, out good because you didn't get you had minimal involvement besides you being there. Well, right, and it, you know it's smaller when you, mm-hmm. you you know it's it's not like you know when you're when you're younger and stuff like that. The, the important thing was just to to get married and get on with life, and it's all worked out extremely well. Okay, let us completely and totally switch gears. There's an interesting story in the local paper um, about about air travel. Now, now get 
get this. April of, of this year, all right, for the entire month of April, Mitchell Field, about 23,600 people traveled in April. Okay, let, let me give you, let me put that in perspective. 23,600 people traveled for the whole month of April. Last year, 2019, that's about how many people traveled each day. I mean, the, the, the air travel in April, down 96%. I mean, it, it's just, it is staggering when you think about what coronavirus has done to certain industries, and in particular, the, the airline industry. So so what's happened? Well, I mean, first of all, obviously, you, you had shutdowns all over. You had people that, that weren't traveling. There wasn't anywhere to go. You know, the, it, even if even if you were inclined to get on a plane, where, you know, where were you going to go? I mean, maybe you could go visit relatives if you had them in Texas or Florida or whatever. But if you had a trip planned to, you know, Disney World, well, well Disney World was closed. If you were flying to somewhere to you were going to go to you, you were going to fly to somewhere to, you know, get on a, a cruise. Well, OK, the, the cruises were canceled. I, I bring that up because Saturday we were supposed to leave for our trip to Normandy. And that, of course, got can't got delayed it's we're going to go next year um with with largely the same group of people so i'm excited about that but a 96 percent decline leisure travel is starting to come back a little bit i I mean a, a little bit things are starting to open up a little bit people are feeling more comfortable going so leisure travel is starting to open up a little bit and my guess is that is going to continue to grow one of the areas though that that's I don't think is coming back at all is is business travel. The idea that, you know, you're going to, I don't know, your, your home office is in Omaha. So you get called in for a, a meeting. You know, they're going to bring in your the home office is in Omaha. You're, uh, you know, you're a supervisor at the Milwaukee division of, of whatever the company is. And so they're going to be bringing in on a Wednesday. We're going to be flying everybody in for a day of meetings, and then you fly back. You know, that kind of travel, it it, it doesn't exist anymore. And between the advent of, of Zoom meetings and telephone conferences and stuff like that, I think more and more companies are figuring out that we, we don't need to spend that money to put people on on the road we we don't need to bring in the branch managers from all over the country for an in-person thing we can do it on on zoom we don't need to now i mean there, there's going to be some travel that you're always going to have to do if you're an an eng, you work for a company that designs i don't know something special and you know you it needs to be engineered so you have to have to go out in person and measure the stuff well okay there's going to be some degree of travel there but as far as just hopping on on a plane to visit the home office or to you know travel out for meetings or to do check-ins, I I think that travel is gone and I don't think it's coming back. Our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk about business travel. And if you were one of those road warriors, a lot or or even a little, do do you think you're going to be up in the air again? Um, and I guess. If the answer is no, 
What does it mean for the airlines? What does it mean for the hotels by airports? You know, what does it mean for, I don't know, all the restaurants and stuff, you know, that depended on that those business travelers and the expense accounts? Because I got to tell you, do, do I think leisure travel is going to come back? My answer is yes. If you ask me, do I think business travel is going to come back? I, I think it's going to be a long, long time. If ever. 855-616-1620. Back in at Mortgage Talk and Text Line, we discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, I, I think leisure travel is coming back. Business travel, I think, I think that has probably changed if not forever, forever is a long time. I think it's changed for a, a long time. And it's not just the, the airlines, but it's the, the hotels by the airports that cater to the business travelers. And it's the restaurants, you know, in, in the downtown areas that cater to the business travelers. I, I think like it or not, I'm not a huge fan of Zoom meetings. I think like it or not, that's, that's the f- future, at least for the foreseeable future. Kevin in Oconomowoc. Kevin, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. So, my company is headquartered in Kansas City, and I'm home office chair in Wisconsin. We started back in May going out and seeing some of our customers, and we started at, at the bottom of the ladder, so to speak, and we're up about midway up a 24-foot ladder right now in terms of frequency of flying. Okay. I do see a lot of business travelers. I fly, I fly primarily southwest so they've cut back their seating arrangements by a third. Right. And I think it's my observation that it would have been that way had they not cut that back. It's just that many people are afraid to fly. You do see a lot of families traveling. Yep. You do see the, the vacationers. That's that's still occurring, and it's it's encouraging to see it occurring at the rate that it is. It's better than it was in May. Um, yes, I have to rent cars and stay at hotels. Those I've also gotten better at how they're approaching it. Um, they're not as fear-driven. But the fear factor is what will drive the speed at which we return to traveling. Um, well, I think for leisure, but let, let's talk about business. I mean, I'm kind of curious, Kevin, what, what, why do you have to travel? I mean, what, is, it, is it sales? or I mean, what's, what's the nature of, of the, it, it, why you technical have? sales. We do site visits that are required. Yeah. yeah. For us to be there on a technical basis, yeah. uh, we do have some customers who require us yeah. to be there for, as a tenant, as a landlord, wants to make sure their tenants are doing what they're supposed to be doing, right. adhering to our, our best practices. But the, the, the traveling business person still is finding it a lot more relaxed in terms of finding a place to eat. Oh, yeah. You're not eating out of a cardboard box. Um, that. I mean, the mask thing varies by state. Right. Uh, and, and the main reason we travel, of course, is because of the time issue. I mean, I was just in Atlanta recently. I'm glad I didn't have to drive that far. Right. Yeah. Sure. That, way. That, that heats up a big chunk of your week. Yeah. Kevin, thanks for calling. Now, see, and again, I, I understand that there's always going to be some business travel because the, the the nature of a particular business and that's I was using that example as well if you've got a if you've got a company that designs I, I don't know some sort of technical mechanical equipment you you know and and you, you have to go to the site 
Let, let's say you're, I don't know, they're building a new arena somewhere, and you're the, the person that puts in I know something that goes along with it. You've got to go to that site to actually get the measurements and maybe supervise the construction and things like that. So it's not like business travel is going to go away. But at the same time, when you think about a, what a lot of business travel was, it was – Okay, we're we're going to bring everybody in for you know a day of meetings, and then we're going to send everybody back. Um, that that's I think that's changing. I have a I have a friend I didn't ask her permission to decide, but um, who works for a big company on the West Coast, and you know she was telling me she used to have to go for in person for the, this company three or four times a month. And and so, you know, that was bouncing back. And, and now the company's saying, no, that that's now you're doing it all again by the Zoom conferences or, or whatever. She was saying, we're just not traveling and we don't think that they're going to be. Plus, keep in mind that even if you are, like say you're a salesperson and you're used to making these calls, there's a lot of businesses that just, just aren't open yet. I mean, you know, in our building, for example, you the only people that they're allowing into our building other than top management are, are the on-air people and, you know, some of the, the people that help the on-air people stay on the air. Otherwise, you know, it's it, it's not even open. So even if you were a salesperson wanting to come and make a call, you, you can't get into the building anyhow. And I think that there's a lot of companies that are, in fact, like that. I, is, is business travel going to go the way of the dinosaur? No, but it's... I think it's going to be, you know, very, very slow. Leisure travel, I think people are going to be more willing to do it. Jeff, I'm an auditor, typically traveled 60 to 70% of the month. I'm performing audits remotely for at least the end of 2020. I'm guessing uh, going forward, maybe 25% at best. I just think that's what's happened is, Businesses have had to adapt and they've had to change. And what they're finding is, in, not in all cases, but in many cases, you know, we can do these audits remotely. You know, it, we we don't have to necessarily spend the money to send somebody out there and, you know, and, and have them camp out for two weeks or three weeks or a month or whatever this is. We don't have to do that. What we can do is we can have them do it remotely. We get the same result, or, you know, maybe it's not as nice to have that in-person contact, but it's cheaper for us, it's cheaper for our client, all those different things. It's just kind of the new world that's out there. I, I go back to, though, the, this story in the local paper. I mean, it's just, it's staggering how much travel has fallen. And like I say, leisure travel starting to come back. Business travel, I, I just, I don't know. Um, I know a guy, I know a guy. I know a guy who owns a, a hotel by by an airport, and, you know, he was just telling me not that long ago, just bleak, just, just bleak with the business travel. Go figure. This is Jeff Wagner.